Braves fans, welcome to another edition of the Road to Indy Insider. It's episode number 16. My name is Rob Howden. May the 16th, Thursday, as we uh, are just a couple days back from the IndyCar Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course, that fantastic 14-turn circuit. Uh, our events in the Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires, uh, dubbed the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. And of course, double headers for all three series and what was a very, very tight weekend. Uh, the drivers had Thursday for a couple of practice sessions, test sessions, if you will. And then, of course, the end of the day, an official practice session. We go right into qualifying for both races on Friday. One main event Friday afternoon and then capped off with the final three events in addition to Indy Lights qualifying Saturday before the IndyCar Grand Prix. Uh, it was a pretty solid weekend. This is, of course, the breakdown. We'll talk a little bit about, or I will talk a little bit about the events that uh, that happened um, that weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I normally try to get a, a Steve Wittick or a Joey Barnes or a Krista Hardy on with me, but as you probably know, they are locked and loaded at the IMS Media Center. Uh, IndyCar has been practicing all week uh, for the Indianapolis 500. I'll be getting this podcast out on Friday. It will be Fast Friday there, and I'll be flying down to Indianapolis to join the team uh, with IMS Radio Network uh, to provide coverage uh, through all their channels uh, for what will be a fantastic qualifying weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the drivers in the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires, I, I would assume a bunch of them will be trackside. That would not surprise me at all, uh, taking the opportunity to, to take it in. Uh, the drivers in USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000 tested on the Oval at Lucas Oil Raceway on the Monday after the IndyCar Grand Prix. So I know many of them probably heading home to go back to school or whatever it may be, but I'm sure that some of the lights guys for sure would probably hang around to spend some time with uh, with some of the IndyCar teams. Um, looking forward for them, of course, the uh, the Freedom 100 uh, next Friday uh, at uh, as part of Carb Day. For the drivers in Indy Lights, always one of the best races of the year. Uh, you go back, I think, as many of us do, to, on the YouTube to pick up some of those old races. Uh, Indy Lights have always been great uh, at the Speedway. Drivers in USF 2000 and Indy Pro getting their first oval event of the year. Uh, they will run at Lucas Oil Raceway, that 5 8 mile banked oval uh, just west of the city in Brownsburg. Actually, Claremont, Indiana, I believe the actual address for Lucas Oil Raceway, but that's the Carb Night Classic. USF 2000 will run the Freedom 75 and Indy Pro 2000 running the Freedom 90. Uh, Going to be a great weekend, oval weekend for the road to Indy. But before we start looking forward to that event and what will be a, a tremendous Memorial Day weekend in Indianapolis, let's look back at the event that we just had uh, on the road course. The drivers will tell you they absolutely love this track. A guy like Will Power thinks it's his favorite road course. Glass smooth, um, very challenging. It's a technical racetrack. Uh, 2.349 miles, I believe. Uh, two long straightaways, of course, coming onto the front straight, going in the uh, the clockwise direction, counter race, as you would see uh, at the Indy 500. So they have that long run out of 14, all the way down the straightaway into turn number one, very wide. Four or five wide at the start in USF 2000, of course, uh, into that hard right-hander. Uh, a lot of breaking into that corner as well. And then as they get through two, three, four, five, six, through the switchback onto uh, Holman Boulevard 
which is an access road during the, the any other time. Uh, but a big long run as well down into the hard-breaking turn seven that leads, of course, the left-hander into the seven, eight, nine SS combination. Just a tremendous racetrack. Drivers love it. And you pull that track out and put it anywhere, it's still a great track. But the fact that you put it in the, you know, the racing capital of the world, the, you know, the world's greatest race course, uh, it just adds the ambiance. The pagoda's there. It's the background of so many photos. And uh, I think anybody will tell you just get a chance to race and those who win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's special. Uh, let's have a look. I'm going to get started with the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship again as we begin this edition of the Road to Indy Insider Breakdown. Um, we'll look at points when we're all said and done, but really, uh, for USF 2000, after a fantastic debut weekend in the series, Braden Eaves for Cape Motorsports comes out of the box, you know, sweeps up there. Darren Keene had good speed. There was other drivers. Hunter McElroy had good speed as well, but some issues for Keene put him back. Braden Eaves able to come out with a couple of big wins. So he comes to Indianapolis, and his mindset is, okay, I got, I got to keep this streak going. Cape Motorsports has great race cars. I need to keep this streak rolling. And uh, and he was able to do that. Came out of the box, was the fastest. No doubt, again, challenged by Braden Eaves, uh, rather challenged by his teammate uh, Darren Keene and Hunter McElroy for Paps Racing. Uh, those three drivers, I think, pretty much the primary championship contenders right now based on what we've seen speed-wise. Um, the Oval's going to change things, of course. Only a, one, only a single race, though. So it's not like you're dominant at a racetrack. It's a doubleheader. You, you, know, you can roll out of there if you want with big points, with, with 66 points, just that single race. But there is extra points. I think it's points and a half for the Oval. But coming into the weekend, Braden Eves focused on continuing the streak, keeping the momentum up, and he does that. Uh, qualifies on pole for both races. Uh, leverages the battle behind him, I think, more than anything, uh, in addition to his great speed, to be able to get the two victories. Uh, obviously, the opening race, uh, Darren Keene qualified off pole for both races. So we got a, you know all Cape Motorsports front row. Here's the two drivers going to battle it out. Uh, Eves gets a great start for race number one on Friday afternoon. Down into the corner, a lot of chaos in turn number one. I'm calling it from I from uh, you know from the uh, uh, the IMSPA alongside Greg Greg Rakestraw, and you're just waiting for it, right? You're waiting for what's going to happen in turn number one because nobody nobody runs it clean. They just they get so especially in USF 2000 they get so excited. They're down to the inside of the racetrack where, remember, folks, there's no grip because it's dirty. Nobody drives on it. And Keane's down to the bottom. And I want to say it was Manuel Suleiman. One of the drivers came in super deep. Uh, I think Jack Crawford was involved as well. Um, and Keane gets spun around. So for the second weekend, second race in a row, because remember, second race at St. Petersburg, he's leading, coming into the final corner, getting chased by Christian Rasmussen and loses the rear end and spins around. Yeah. So even though Keane coming in with a new mindset, which he stated in his social media, um, and I could see that there's no doubt there was a different mindset. The luck wasn't there with him. But it turns out that he ends up going to the tail of the field. And we'll look at the end of the championship to see how things shake down, but this could be a turning point for, for, Bray, for Darren Keane. Uh, the driver from Boca Raton, Florida, puts his head down, Drives back through the field, fast lap of the race. That's a bonus point, and ends up finishing sixth. Um, I thought that was a tremendous recovery, and it's just an absolutely fantastic story uh, for someone who, who has issues, but then is of course able to come back. And I think that's key. You, you got to be able to recover 
mentally, not just on the racetrack, but you got to be able to be, uh, recover mentally as well. And, and you got to give props to, uh, to Darren for coming back through. In his absence, Braden Eve's able to take full control. Um, although Hunter McElroy pushed him the entire race long, no doubt about that. He was always there. Uh, no cautions. They went, uh, they went green to checker for 15 laps. The race was uh, over pretty quickly. Um, but again, just really tremendous racing. It ended up being about a three-tenths of a second win for Braden Eves. He, of course, stretches his uh, streak to three races, extends the championship a little bit more. So obviously off to a tremendous start for the, for the, uh, for the year. Hunter Macker actually turns the, uh, I believe, the fastest leader lap at that point uh, on lap number 11, but the fastest overall lap, Darren Keene. Uh, again, McAray and Eves battling back and forth. Eves, though, able to get through to take over the race win. Manuel Suleiman, as I said, was the driver who ended up coming um, into the third spot up onto the podium for D-Force Racing. Manuel, uh, who had a great weekend, uh, was one of my, I think it was my, my driver of the race, star of the race, one of the events out in, uh, in St. Petersburg. He ends up finishing in the third spot. Colin Kaminsky for Paps Racing. A talented driver who I think is going to battle for some podiums, potentially a race win this year. He ends up finishing in the fourth spot. And Cameron Shields for Newman Walks Racing, starting 13th, uh, just really methodically worked his way forward. He gets my star of the race for that run because it's a race that Cameron needed. He had some issues in uh, in St. Petersburg. He needed that good, that good result for Newman Walks Racing. And starting 13th, worked his way to fifth. Uh, most definitely deserving of the star of the race. So that's uh, that's race number one. Of course, the drivers come back and do it all again um, for race number two. Uh, better start this time for the two Cape uh, front runners, both Eves and Keen, able to get out to the lead early. Of course, the race taking place pretty early on on Saturday morning. I didn't really touch on the weather, but it was cool <laughs> and cool. But by cool, I mean cold. I think we were like high. 40s, I believe, when we got to the track at one point. We got into the, you know, we get to the 50s, then the 60s, uh, up to, I think, about 72 midday on, on Saturday. But Thursday and Friday were cold. In fact, we had rain, and it was a wet session to start the, the, the test sessions on Thursday. It, uh, it was a cooler May-spring weekend, no doubt about that, in Indianapolis. So second race for USF 2000, Braden Eats and Darren King for Cape Motorsports. Jet out, uh, Hunter McElright pressuring Keen the entire time, and I think that may likely, as it always does, probably could have given Eves a little bit more of a break because I think if they had gapped up a little bit, Eves, or rather uh, Keen, might have been able to put his head down, you know, pushed a little harder. But there were often times where McElright's number twenty-two pass machine, uh, the the Mazda uh, sponsorship car, uh, after of course McElright winning the two hundred thousand dollar scholarship shootout. He put a lot of pressure on him, and that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, Jack Crawford uh, ends up getting the uh, the fourth position. Uh, we haven't talked. I I really talked a lot about Jack, of course, here on the podcast. He we you know he rolls in. We didn't even know he was going to come and run. He ends up making his debut here in USF 2000 with with D Force right or D uh, D E Force, and and Crawford. You know, here's a kid that I followed through karting for many years. This, he's one of the, was one of the top junior karters coming up through the ranks, through the, the mini categories. He won the Scusa Super Nationals in junior, which is a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, all the while doing a lot of racing in legend cars as well, working on the roundy round stuff, 
which is developing as racecraft. This past season, running down in the uh, the off season F four NACAM series, which I think runs like December, January, February kind of thing. Uh, I'm not sure yet whether or not we're going to see Crawford for the remainder of the season. I think it would be great. He's a tremendous young talent from Houston, Texas. And uh, his debut big, obviously caught in the incident uh, in round number one, fell to the tail of the field, but really able to show his pace here in race number two as he ends up finishing P4. Finishing in the fifth spot, my star of the race, and you got to give it up for Eduardo Barrichello because uh, obviously a new team to the series, uh, Miller Vinatieri Motorsports. They ran F4 last year, and uh, both Barrichello and his teammate Jack Miller were in the top ten all weekend long. And I was, I don't want to say I'm surprised by it, but a brand new team coming into this place with no data and boom, I was, uh, I was impressed. They were there all weekend and, and Eduardo stayed out of trouble and Jack had a great run as well. He had, uh, was coming up. I want to say, yeah, he was coming up and got into a bit of an incident. I think he was involved in a spin. Uh, he deserved a lot more. Jack Miller ends up finishing 19th, but man, he put up, he really impressed a lot of people with his racecraft and his speed uh, in that particular event. So again, Braden Eves with the uh, fast lap of the race as well. He takes the bonus point. Darren Keene ends up with second. His uh, his best result of the season moves him to a, uh, I believe, into a tie for I think, yeah, tie for third place in points. Hunter McElroy in third. Jack Crawford just outside the podium in fourth, and Eduardo Barrichello in fifth. As we look at the championship. After four rounds, Eves with a pretty massive lead right now, 33 points was essentially a full race. That's the most points you can get. Uh, so, again, Braden Eves, uh, 127 points. Hunter McElray with four straight podiums uh, in second. Both Manuel Suleiman and Darren Keane for D-Force Racing in and Cape Motorsports respectively tied. Uh, with 65 points for fourth. And Zach Holden, who had two great races in St. Petersburg, fell to the tail of the field and drove back to the front in uh, in race uh, race number one in Indy and then had an issue and wasn't able to even get rolling in race number uh, two. Still sits P4, but he's uh, quite a ways back, or P5 rather. He's quite a ways back right now, 54 points back, 11 points behind third. And uh, use my math, what, Rob? Uh, 73 points behind Braden Eves. So right now, Eves, four straight wins. Anybody who wants to battle with him has got to start knocking some races out. they got to start knocking some wins out. Uh, and then they've got to think, uh, I don't say hope, but I guess they probably would hope. We never hope ill will on anybody, but they're going to have to hope that that uh, Braden Eves has a DNF uh, himself. Now, that can happen anytime you're out front. We know this. Doesn't take much to get involved in an incident, but uh, Braden's done a good job in qualifying, and that's what you need to do. You qualify well, you're up front. It's a good possibility you're going to stay out of some of the chaos that could happen row two back to row five. For these drivers in USF 2000, again, they'll look forward to the Freedom 75 at the Lucas Oil Raceway. That's the Carb Night Classic. That's this, uh, set to go on May the 24th. Uh, single car qualifying as well, which I love. And then from there, a full month off before we head to cheese country. Yeah, we're going to uh, Road America. Time to have some brats. Uh, hang out in Sheboygan and Elkhart Lake. Going to Siebkins for Road America. Love that racetrack. All right. This is the Road to Indy Insider Breakdown Podcast. My name is Rob Howden. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. This is episode number 16. 
And once again, let's have a look here at, at what we've got going on in terms of Indy Pro 2000 presented by Cooper Tires. Second rung of the road to Indy and these drivers running the PM18. So many of them have come through USF 2000. So anytime we come to an event like this, you know, we have that expectation uh, that we're going to uh, see better racing, cleaner racing. And normally that's what we do see. Uh, in qualifying, uh, the fast driver was Rasmuth Lint. Let's just put it this way. Rasmuth Lint essentially was the man to beat all weekend. That said, really good speed shown by Kyle Kirkwood. His storyline a bit different than Rasmus. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, opening race. So there's been a lot of talk about it. I haven't got the full update yet, but um, I'll try to get some more. Essentially, uh, they come in to start the race. Rasmuth Lint on the pole, Kyle Kirkwood for RP Motorsports on the off pole. As they come out onto the front straightaway, and I, I've, I've looked at some in-car camera, I watched the videos that I saw. I haven't had a chance actually to talk to uh, the race director, Johnny Unter, yet. But essentially what happens is they come out, they come out onto the front straightaway. It appears that Kirkwood takes off first. They wave the start off and go yellow. And the race directing team says, okay, what are we going to do here? They look at the results. They move Kirkwood to the tail of the field. Jump start. Now, from some of the reports I'm being told, it sounds like they came out there. Rasmuth might have got off the, off the gas. And it's not really that, that Kyle jumped. But then if he was on the throttle early, he's got to wait for the guy to go. I got to talk. You know what? We'll do this again in, in, in another podcast. Um, you know, I'll maybe wrap it up or something, try to do something else. Uh, part of our breakdown after the, the Carb Night Classic and the, and the Freedom 100. I'll get more information. Because in the in-car I saw from Kyle, it looked like indeed Rasmus kind of checked up a bit. And I believe the rule book says that the leader must keep a steady pace, a, a straight and steady pace. In other words, you can't slow down. When you speed up is when you punch off. you got to get to the blue cone, then you punch off. So a little bit of controversy around that. Now, Rasmus went as they come back around. Of course, Kyle drops the tail of the field. They finally get the green. Rasmus. Gone. He checks out. Essentially has the thing handled, walking away. No challenge from what would have been his primary competitor, right? Kyle Kirkwood. Kyle goes to the tail of the field. Rasmuth ends up running away to the victory. Um, the only yellow was the non-start. So we essentially went green to checker. Uh, so, again, tough for Kyle Kirkwood, of course. He started at the tail of the field. But talk about something for his rep reputation. Wow. What a run for Kyle Kirkwood. He turns fast lap of the race on lap, lap number 15 of what is a 25 lapper. He comes from the tail of the field, dead last, back to second. And in fact, back to within a second, within nine-tenths of a second of the leader, Rasmuth Lance. So you have to believe that, that had that not happened, that Kyle probably could have got the race win. But for me, he put on a show. And uh, again, like Hunter McElray, uh, Kyle Kirkwood running the Mazda Colors, the sole red Mazda Colors on the RP Motorsports number 28. He wins my star of the race for that amazing performance, driving his way back to the front. Um, definitely helped out his championship a little bit there, but a good run for Kyle. Uh, and just like I said, blew me away with his pace coming back to the front. Uh, super steady and impressive in third spot, exclusive autosports, Daniel Frost, the young driver from Singapore, uh, a podium third at St. Petersburg as well. Uh, he gets a podium to start the weekend out here in third spot. Exclusive Autosport is uh, 
they, that team's looking good right now. They got good pace out of Manuel Cabrera in USF 2000. They got great pace, uh, great pace as well um, in, in, uh, in Indy Pro. And then on the weekend, you go back up north, of course, Canadian team. They run the Toyo Tires uh, uh, F1600 series as well. And Olivier Bedard, who I believe was a late signing in their F1600 program, they have a Spectrum car up there. He ends up getting the race win, and their young lady who's driving for them, a, a, new, a new driver, Alex Truby, has a pretty good weekend as well. But, yeah, some some really good performances out of exclusive autosport. It looks to me like they're going to be adding uh, a lot of great results to their resume once again. So, again, Rasmus went with the win, 0.879, the gap between he and Cal Kirkwood. Kirkwood gets fast lap of the race. Also, my star of the race, and Daniel Frost from exclusive autosport rounding up the podium. Four spot goes to Stingray Rob, and we'll spend some time here in the driver at fifth because it's back-to-back fifth-place finishes in both races for Parker Thompson uh, for Able Motorsports. And I think that was probably the biggest surprise on the weekend, not just for us, but for Parker and the team as well. I got a lot of a lot of texts, a lot of a lot of PM, a lot of DMs rather. People asked me what was going on with Parker, and I, I, I was stuck up in the booth because. I, I was on, on P, either PA or IndyCar radio for every session all weekend, so I did not get a lot of time in the paddock, which uh, I normally do when there's a you know a tin top or a sports car support category. Uh, for me, I just figured something was broken on the car. I figured something was cracked, whatever it was. They were dialing stuff into the car, and it wasn't getting any better. Parker just said they were lost coming off the trailer. So the baseline setup that they had elected to put on the car to bring to Indianapolis was not fast. So you think about the rapid-fire nature of these events where you're back, you're detailing data, you're making a call and making some changes. Parker just wasn't fast at all. He qualified dead last in, for, for both races. They just did not have any speed at all, like right through to, to Saturday afternoon. You put it in the hands of Parker, they make some changes, he stays out of trouble, does what he's supposed to do, leverage the amazing racecraft, he ends up P5. So... P5 for both races for Parker Thompson, and I'll tell you, just a tough one for him. He still maintains second in points, but, you know, he comes in there and gets a couple of podiums, and he's still in championship contention. So, um, again, that's the thing about Able Motorsports. They're coming in with a clean sheet of paper. The idea is for Parker and Jacob Able to do what they can to find that baseline. So next year when Jacob comes back, he's not going to be troubled with, hey, we're this far back. This is the baseline we were able to develop with two cars after a full weekend. So they're going to come back with more data, more notes, and again, be able to move forward. Speaking of moving forward, let's go to Sunday or Saturday morning. Obviously, Saturday, Sunday, everybody had trouble with that, with this Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend for IndyCar, knowing they had the day off on Sunday to prep for prep their cars, of course, to go into oval competition for practice for the 500. On Saturday morning for Indy Pro 2000 race number two, again, um, Stingray Rob uh, was the driver in the hunt. He had a, a really good qualifying effort started on the outside of Rasmuth on, on row number one. Um, for Kyle Kirkwood, who started third, he gets caught up in an opening lap. I believe it was the opening lap. Got caught up in an incident, uh, maybe in the second lap. Ends up breaking the front wing, I believe, and potentially – because he didn't come back on the racetrack, I, I'm, I'm going to say potentially something to the suspension as well. I didn't get a chance to find out. But Kirkwood, who has that great run back to second yesterday, involved in an opening lap incident to start the race. He ends up 13th position. So 
tough one for him. That's two DNFs for broken wings. Round one in St. Petersburg, round four, second end of the doubleheader uh, on the Indianapolis road course. But I'll tell you this, Kyle Kirkwood knows how to win races. He's the champion last year from USF 2000. He knows how to stay out of trouble. And um, I think you're going to see him chip away at it. And I said that here right now. Uh, where are we? May the 16th. Well, we're not done until September past, what, September 20th or something like that, September 22nd. So think about that. We're, you know, quite a ways down the line before we get to Laguna Seca for the finale. And I guarantee you that, that Kyle Kirkwood will continue to chip away uh, and try to get himself back into the hunt. Because, of course, Rasmuth Lint, the new point leader. So Lint and uh, Linda is able to pull away. Stingray Rob and Daniel Frost run nose to tail all race long. And it was, it's hard to call it on PA because, you know, a lot of times when guys are past each other, we're working on splits. We're looking at lap times, whose times are getting faster, who's potentially falling off a little bit, what's happened here. And it was, it was an accordion because state rate be faster and then it'd be slower and it'd be faster and then it'd be slower. And he and Daniel Frost just kept going back and forth. It was, you know, it was at one point, it was a second split, but it was three tenths of a second. Then it was back to seven tenths. Back to five. So I really expected we were going to see some kind of challenge. But in the end, Stingray Rob gets his best career finish. P2. Uh, Hunkos Racing locking out first and second. Daniel Frost, another podium finish. His third, third place finish of the season. Moves him to third place in points. And not that far out, to be honest. He's only, I think, 24 points back of Rasmuth Lind. And you look at people that are, you know, on the momentum forward. Rasmuth obviously moving forward. Parker not. Parker Thompson, was a, that was a recovery for him. He's not moving forward. Uh, Daniel Frost obviously moving forward. Kirkwood's had up and down weekends. Uh, I think Daniel Frost is going to win a race before this season's over. That's what I'm saying right now because I think showing what he did last year, he only ran three USF 2000 races last year with exclusive autosport. So really, he just made essentially his, uh, his what, fifth Race weekend start in the road dandy. <laughs> We've got, uh, what, for Indy Pro, another six to go. Um, this kid's going to be good. Number one, he is good. But, I mean, he's going to be good to go with potentially getting a race win. That's uh, that's at least my feeling right now uh, as we think about that. Um, keep, keep going down the order, of course. Uh, Nikita Lestotian, really good run, as I said, for, uh, for exclusive autosport. They really have their stuff together, and Nikita was on fire. I uh, qualified really well for race number one, fell back with some issues to seventh in race two, but was right there. He was uh, right in the fight, showed good pace, um, and, and had a really strong run to fourth spot. I uh, was in the middle of a battle with Antonio Cerevalli for a time, but Cerevalli fell back. And then and, and Moises De La Vera came, came up and put a ton of pressure on Nikita. He did not cave, held the spot, ends up coming home in the fourth position. So it was a really good run for Nikita Lestoshkin, who's now sixth in points. And then, as I said before, Parker Thompson ends up uh, P5. A couple of fifth-place finishes, 17 points apiece. Keeps him uh, to within 11 points of the, of the lead. And so Parker's, you know, we know what the pace he's got. We know what he's able to do. So he goes to the Oval. He's going to go to Road America. He's going to go to Toronto, where he's won before. You know, he was good there last year, too, other than having the incident uh, with David Malukas that really kind of hurt his championship. He's got good speed at all the racetracks we're going to go to. And again, if he's able to continue rolling with um, uh, with Able Motorsports, I think we're going to see him back on top of the box. 
kudos to Parker, obviously running some Porsche racing uh, this past couple of weekends, which is great. Just saw that he signed with Sports Car Boutique to run the Canadian uh, Porsche Cup program. So I'm just, I think everybody's happy to see uh, Parker get some opportunities. He's definitely a young star. Somebody's going to get behind this kid and, and invest in him. And he's going to move forward. He's going to be a professional race car driver. There's, not, there's no doubt about that. Will it be tin tops? Will it be open wheel? I think he'd love to be an open wheel, but man, like anybody, if you get an opportunity to go professional racing, you do it. And again, I expect to see Parker win a bunch of sports car races here in 2019. So points for Indy Pro. Let's wrap up this segment of the Road to Indy Insider with the points. Rasmuth went 109 points, as I said, 11 ahead of Parker Thompson. Uh, Daniel Frost, pretty good set of results, to be honest. Fourth, third, third, third. Consistency up front for the young driver from Singapore, rookie in the series. 85 points. He's two points ahead of Stingray Rob. And then you fall back a little bit. You go back uh, 15 points to Kyle Kirkwood. Sixth is Nikita Lestoshkin. Seventh, Moises De La Vera. Eighth, uh, the rookie Jacob Abel. Ninth, Philippe Dennis for Fat Boy Racing. And Antonio Saravalli rounding out the top 10 in points. Uh, to cap off this segment, though, star of the race, I didn't say it. I could have went Stingray Rob. Career best finish, right? For sure. Could have went Parker Thompson. Recovering. Fifth, both races. Could have went Parker Thompson. But as you guys all know, I'm not a big fan of picking the race winner as the star of the race. They're on top of the podium. They're drinking the champagne. They got the big trophy. You know, they get the max points. They got all the adulation. I had to go with Rasmus Lint this time because you come in there, do what you do, come out with two race wins. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you a, a star of the race. Not every time, but I think this time here for Rasmuth doing what he did, um, maybe in the shadow of knowing that Parker Thompson had came out of the box so strongly, he was able to, to put it all down on the road course for Hunkos Racing. Yeah, he's my star of the race. Rasmuth Lent for race two. All right, let's uh, grab the sheets here now for Indy Pro, or rather Indy Lights. Uh, I was in the booth again with Greg Rakestraw on, on uh, IMSPA. I'll be back on IndyCar Radio, probably on the pit lane for the Freedom 100, where I've uh, I've had a chance to stand right there at the Yard of Bricks and watch those guys come across and, and kind of hold my breath like everybody else did as well. Um, let's move again into, as I said, into Indy Lights, because um, this I always like breakout races. And you got to say breakout race here in Indy Pro for Rasmuth Lent, right? He's going to have the confidence now. Tons of it. It's going to have the momentum heading to the oval. All that. That's a different concept. That's the one thing about coming off the GP. It doesn't always, the momentum and the confidence doesn't always translate into success over at the oval at Lucas Oil Raceway because it's such a different discipline. I think it does transfer, though, for drivers in, in uh, Indy Lights because you're at the speedway. It doesn't matter. Uh, you win at the speedway in the road course. I think you still have momentum to be able to go win uh, the Freedom 100. And the driver who had a breakout. In race number one, no question. And he ends up getting my star of the race as well. So, you know, just reverse back to what I said about Rasmuth. I don't like going winner of star of the race, but you got to give it to Robert McGinnis because, and here's why. Qualifies on the pole position for Andretti Autosport in the uh, the number 27 machine. He's got Renus VK on the outside. He's got, uh, of course, a race winner already at St. Petersburg. He's got the double race winner from the from Coda from Austin right behind him. His teammate Oliver Askew. He's got his other teammate over the other side, Ryan Norman. Andretti is fast. We go Indy Lights racing. It's a thirty lapper. He takes the early lead. Everything's good. 
Lap number two, Oliver Askew comes storming by. There's the guy with the momentum coming out of Austin. You know, Oliver's won both races there. For all intents and purposes, uh, for all intents and purposes, dominated Austin. Yeah, Robert McGinnis battled him a little bit, took the lead in the second race. They fought it out a bit, but Oliver able to you know, get, get the job done. So he comes in with tons of momentum. Oliver goes by on lap number two, down the front straightaway, big move to the bottom, and an aggressive move to the bottom, takes the spot. Anybody in the, in the media center, myself included on PA, could easily have figured this is it, Oliver's gone. Right, he's going to be able to take. He's going to be able to grab this, run with it. He ends up turning fast lap of the race, so he's got the speed. Oliver's gone. He's going to get his third race win. This is going to change things in the championship. No, Robert tucks back in. This is why I call it breakup. This is why I call it kind of a great turning point in his career. Out of the, you know, back onto the front straightaway, and he came from way back. Of course, pushed a pass, hammering that button. I believe they were allowed to use. I think he used probably two push to passes there. I'm not quite sure, but I know they changed the push to pass around a little bit. I think they gave him, they changed it a bit. It's like it was 10 activations of, of 15 seconds, I believe. I got to get that update from Tony Cotman before we uh, head to the next race. But he uses push to pass, and he's, I'm calling this lap four. Yeah, it's far back. You, you can't expect this is going to happen. Well, boom, down the inside. Deep move for for McGregor. I mean, for, for McGinnis. I have no doubt that he surprised Oliver. Down to the inside, McGinnis goes in, takes the spot back. And in all the coverage I do, all the announcing I do, whether it's kids in in you know seven, eight, nine years old in the micro categories in in the national level stuff or whatever races I'm doing, all the way up, getting past is one thing. It'll mess with your mind unless you're feeling real good about it. Like if somebody goes by you and you, you feel like they've got more than you, you know, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take second maybe. When you're challenged and then you respond, that puts up, uh, that rings a bell for me. I like that. That's a check mark. And that's what happened to Robert McGinnis, right? He was challenged uh, by Oliver Askey. He took the lead. Robert came right back, responded with an aggressive move to the inside of one, took the lead back, and at that point was never headed. Able to build the gap. Any Indy Lights guy will tell you, all I got to do if I'm leading is build that 1.5 second gap. That's the push to pass range, right? Once you're outside of 1.5, you're no longer eligible to use that push to pass on the guy in front of you. So McGinnis pushes hard, inching away, and able to get, pardon me, able to get that 1.5. As soon as it's 1.5, 1.6, Oliver's out of push to pass. Robert pulls away to a 1.95 second win. And number one, massive because uh, able to get that first victory, which is huge at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I don't think anybody would want their first Indy Lights win anywhere else. Of course, he's going to want to try to back it up uh, when he gets to the freedom. Uh, He wins by 1.9, just a huge victory for him. But also for the series, four different winners after Robert put it in victory lane. You got Zachary Clayman for Bellardi Auto Racing, round number one. Renus VK for Hunkos Racing, round number two. Oliver wins round three and four at Circuit of the Americas. And then Robert comes back and gets the victory uh, for four winners in five races. So a big run for him. Uh, Renus VK battled, didn't quite have it, but was still there. And that's what top drivers, championship caliber drivers do. When it's not perfect, you don't make any mistakes. And Renus VK bringing it home for third. Great run for him. Uh, Ryan Norman ended up in fourth, and Zachary Clayman uh, for Bellardi Auto Racing ending up in fifth. The Bellardi guys 
I feel like they might have been a little bit off. They didn't quite have the pace. Clayman uh, started in sixth spot, ends up in fifth. A pretty solid recovery for him, but not the, re- the result he wanted, knowing that he had pace to win out of the box. So they qualify. They, that was Saturday afternoon. They qualify. Uh, Indy Lights does first thing in the morning. It, it was pretty cool, but not quite as cool as, as Friday. They qualify for race number two first thing on Saturday morning, and Renus VK turns it up. The Hunkos team did not stop. They went to work. VK puts the car on the pole. McGinnis still right there. He ends up P2 in qualifying. Ryan Norman, good qualifying run for him. He qualifies third, goes inside of row number two alongside David Malukas for BN Racing. So throw BN in there, and Malukas, who continues to get faster and faster, that team, of course, brand new to the series. So they're working on that data. Every session is going to be better and better for them as they start dialing things in, figuring out a solid baseline. Uh, once again, we go green to checker, which is great. Indy Lights, guys, well done. Put on a fantastic show. When their race did come up, that's when all the fans were starting to come into the for the event, which I love that. I love when Indy Lights butts up against, you know, just we kind of finish off right before we get ready to go with, you know, we do. I think we did the, we wrapped up. I think I did the, um, the Indy Lights press conference was, I want, I want to say it was two o'clock and the race, you know, the driver intro started at, at, at three. So the fans have all poured into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They're up on the mounds. They're in the, you know, down in the turn four grandstands. And uh, people are, are getting ready to enjoy a fantastic IndyCar race. But they got a good one as well, watching the future stars in Indy Lights. So out of the get-go, Renus VK, simply magical. Uh, of course, we go down into turn number one. A little bit of action, let's put it this way. They got a bit aggressive going in. Drivers are getting, you know, three or four wide, diving down the inside. The driver ends up coming up with a short end of the stick was Ryan Norman. He ends up getting looped around uh, in turn uh, number one, falls to the tail of the field, has to claw his way back forward, ends up P8. A tough one for Ryan. But as all that chaos kind of happens, Renus VK able to go, into the lead. And the guy that really came up big was Zachary Clayman. I think he went into third spot. I don't think he went to second. I believe he went to third behind Oliver Askew, but then was eventually able to get the spot. Um, so actually, no, hold on. No, it was, Re- I got to work on this brain, right? Renus VK gets the lead. It was actually Robert McGinnis who goes into second. Re- uh, uh, Zachary Clayman, he slides by Oliver Askew coming through. He started back in the, in the sixth position Clayman stuck to the inside. Everything happened on the outside of turn one. Photographic mind starting to work again. Clayman comes around the inside. He gets a good run on Oliver Askew coming around turn two. Of course, beats him into three because three, four before the five, six is that right-hander. Askew's on the outside. Here's where things go crazy. I kind of feel a little bit from, from Robert McGinnis. Robert gets a fantastic run out of the switch back, six, uh, five, six. He is rolling down there, of course, trying to put some pressure. He goes, you know, Renus to the inside at the end of Holman Boulevard in a turn seven. McGinnis goes to the outside, going to set up potentially for an over-under, but at the very least put the pressure on. Overcooks, and I think he a light lock up on the brakes in the front, on the front and pushes off wide, goes onto the grass. So he goes onto the grass. There's a gift for Clayman DeMello. He capitalizes at the start, goes to third. Takes advantage of Robert going grass cutting, moves into second. McGinnis falls back. I, I want to say he fell back to about fifth or sixth, maybe even further back, maybe, maybe almost back to about seventh or eighth or seventh probably. 
Uh, comes back on the racetrack. He storms his way back forward. Uh, Robert McGinnis able to use push to pass. Uh, closes up to Oliver Askew. Doesn't quite have enough uh, to be able to get. He and Oliver, I think, went back and forth for that spot, I believe. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think they did go back and forth at the very end, and Oliver ended up getting the spot when it was all said and done. Uh, Oliver actually, I think he got, yeah, he got docked for a block. <laughs> they were, uh, obviously, both drivers had some push to pass to play with on Holman Boulevard. I believe it was Holman. Um, Robert made a move. It might have run a front straightaway, actually. My mind is just lost right now. Uh, prepping for the 500 and, and the freedom. Um, regardless, it was a block. Whether it was on the hall, whether it was on Holman Boulevard, or whether it was on the front straightaway, I can't think right now. Um, it was a big, it was a reactionary move. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Robert was making a move, and Oliver made a full reactionary move to the inside, you know, to, to, to block that move. And boom, they call it. And they actually called it right in. It's interesting because I talked to a lot of people about what they thought maybe should have been a better penalty. So what happens is they, they're running that they're of course running for third and fourth final p- position on the podium. They call in after the block, they call in for Oliver to, to give the position back up. So in other words, allow Robert McGinnis to come through. All right. That's, you know, they, they could have went through a, for a drive through penalty. Somebody said that, Hey, what shouldn't that have been a drive through? I don't believe it's a drive through penalty. I don't think, I think the severity of a drive through isn't good enough for a block a reactionary block. I don't like that. Now, you know, and talking to other people like Steve Wittick, he's saying, well, you give him, you make him lose the spot. Well, he immediately pulls him behind. It's not like you're making the guy go five seconds back. He immediately. So what happens is Oliver gives it up to Robert. Oliver just tucks right back behind. He's got pushed to pass still. He passes Robert at the end of the straight and the very next lap goes back to third. Right? So essentially no penalty. Because with the push to pass, he's allowed to, he's allowed to get by him. It's not like they made him, hey, fall back to within 1.5 seconds so you're not within push to pass. There's a thought. Whittick, Steve brought up another point, which I, I think is probably a better penalty for that, and that's a flat five-second penalty. So in other words, if Oliver's if he Oliver gives – so you give the spot up, Oliver gives or, – or, yeah, or you give the spot up and do the five-second, or you don't give the spot up, but you're getting a penalty but Oliver's would have had to be able to pull out to a five second lead over Robert to get that position. I think that I agree with Steve Wittick. I think that's a better call. Drive through is too much and giving up the spot alone. I don't think it's enough. So, and neither does Steve, neither do a lot of, a lot of the people that, that sent me direct messages or texts. So anyways, when it wraps up, Oliver Askew ends up on the podium in third, Zachary claiming a much needed second spot. He needed to get back to the podium for those points and Renus VK with what is essentially just a dominant day, 33 points, uh, lead, qualifies pole, uh, wins the race, leads the most laps, fast lap of the race. So Renus VK, big for him, his second win as well. One wins something, right? Ah, I got a race win. Two wins? All right, that's <laughs> you've done it again, right? The first one, you can say the first one's a fluke, whatever it may be. Two wins is big, you know, and then you start on a roll. The second win puts uh, VK into the point lead, indeed, um, which I thought was interesting. Now, let me go back. I just said there was fast lap of the race. There's no fast lap of the race in uh, in Indy Lights. Let me correct myself. USF 2000, yes. Indy Pro, uh, uh, no. Uh, yes, but in Indy Lights, no. Because if – now, even though Rena's got the fast lap, if you lead from start to finish, you're never able to use the push to pass. 
so you don't get those 50 extra horsepower then to set fast lap of the race. So I like that call. Uh, Steve Wittick pointed that out to me on the weekend uh, when I mentioned that over the IMSPA that uh, there is indeed no fast lap uh, bonus for Indy Light. So 32 points, the most you can get, 30 for the win, one for pole, one for leading the most laps. So a 32-point haul uh, for Renus VK, that allows him to go one point ahead of Oliver Askew. We are in a fight right now. Uh, Robert McGinnis back by just 21 points. Uh, he's at 125. Zachary Clayman back by just 22 points. So the top four drivers within 22 points and Toby Sowery for BN Racing back by only 36 points. So, you know, we get the extra bonus. I think there's extra bonus points for the Freedom like there is for the, dry- the races at the Card Night Classic. Um, we'll see who's fast. I think this is going to be a really good uh, a week at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm really excited about the Freedom 100. Uh, I will be on IMSPA on Monday. So qualifying, of course, on you – know, everybody tries to qualify on Saturday. Uh, fast nine qualifying. First, first we do the the, the the back row, right? 11th row qualifying to see who gets in. Then we do fast nine. Then there's an open practice. And then on Monday, Indy Lakes drivers get a chance to get on the track as well. So I will be there. I'll be on PA. I'm not sure where it's going to be streaming at this point here. Um, as soon as I know, uh, look at the Road to Indy Insider uh, Facebook page, my Twitter. Obviously, you can follow me at Rob Howden on Twitter as well. On Instagram, I'm going to do a lot of stuff on Instagram. If you're not following me there, it's at Rob Howden Racing. And I'll probably put some stuff up on my Facebook page as well. Um, but again, I'm looking forward. I think everybody's looking forward to getting back to the freedom once again. Uh, this Delara IL-15 has been a great car. Uh, we've seen some tremendous racing. Hopefully, we won't have any issues early on and uh, with the drivers. I think we're expecting 11 or 12. Um 11, I believe, right now. I saw somebody said 12, but I think we're I think we're at 11 at this point here uh, for the event. Uh, obviously, pretty cool news that Jared Andretti is going to be joining the uh, Andretti Autosport team. He's going to be driving the number 18 machine. They've got Window World on the car, which, of, of, of course, has been a, a longtime sponsor of the Andretti program. Uh, uh, John Andretti, of course, uh, who, is, uh, who is Jared's dad, uh, had the Window World car on, on for many times as well. Uh, but it's great to see him here. And, and I'm, I'm looking for, I've never actually met Jared. I'm looking forward to meeting him because I know one of the things he's done, which for me is badass, is he's done a lot of racing at Oswego Speedway in a super modified. And, you know, we've seen guys come from the Steel Palace, which is Oswego. We've seen them come to run uh, at at the Speedway, right? You've got, you know, Double O Joe Gosick ran. I believe Bentley Warren ran as well, and I, I'm pretty excited to see uh, Jared Andretti running. Great to have him. Car looks fantastic, and I look forward to talking about super modified racing with Jared uh, when we get to the track. But at least 11, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if uh, if they've dropped the hammer yet and said we're going to have any additional cars. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think they've released the uh, the entry list yet. The official entries. They may have. Um, we have a look here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, indeed, 11 cars. So we have the nine cars that we had this past weekend. Add in Jared Andretti uh, with Andretti Autosport and add in Chris Windham, the driver from uh, St. Louis, who's back with Bellardi Auto Racing and Jonathan Birds Racing. Uh, NAS Energy Drink, the sponsor for Chris Windham. Uh, he's back again, and, and I'm hoping that he has uh, obviously a better weekend. Tried to run the Freedom 100 last year. Had some issues in practice. Wasn't able to run. Let's make sure everybody runs clean. I want to make sure we have 11 cars on the grid. 
Looking forward to some tremendous racing. Well, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Road to Indy Insider. I apologize it you know taking so long. It's Friday, of course, getting out here. Uh, it's been a crazy week for me coming back from the Indianapolis uh, GP weekend, Indy GP at, at the Speedway. I had a ton to do here for four days in the office. Uh, 2.45, I think, my alarm for Friday morning. I got a 6 o'clock uh, flight to Indianapolis through D.C. And looking forward to being there for essentially 10 or 11 days all the way through uh, to the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500, where... And we'll be proud to say, everybody from the Road Indy will be proud to say, I think there's going to be 25 Indy Lights graduates uh, running in the event. And again, kudos right now. I'll take this opportunity at the very end of this podcast to congratulate Jack Harvey, third place in the IndyCar Grand Prix. What a run for him in Meyer Shank Racing. But then right there as well, Mateus Laced uh, and, uh, and Spencer Piggott having tremendous drives. Ed Jones was fast all weekend. To be able to see... The guys we've had, of course, Felix Rosenquist on the pole as well, right? Uh, former front runner, race winner in Indy Lights with Pilardi Auto Racing. The next generation's coming, and uh, you all know them. If you're a Road to Indy fan, you know these guys because you've watched them for the last five, six, seven, eight years. And that's what I'm loving about this right now. Uh, the best drivers we've had, if you, it's, you, look at the resu- you look at the record. You finish in the top five of Indy Lights, and there's only a couple of guys that haven't run yet in the IndyCar series. I'm serious. I think probably two. Um, and they're going to keep coming. You know, these, the, the new crop we have right now, you're going to see them, the Renus VKs, Oliver Askew, Robert McKennis, David Malukas. These guys are all focusing on making that jump. And uh, you're going to see them, which I think is super exciting. Again, thank you so much for joining us, folks. I do appreciate all the, those of you who follow me on social media. I think we're almost to a thousand followers on um on Facebook, I'm not sure even where we are right now in terms of in terms of following on Twitter in Road to India. I, I got to think we're probably eight. I think I may look right now, 870 followers. So yeah, do us a favor. Next time I post something, um, you know how we grow it? Uh, share something for me. Don't just like my post. We'd love it. Share the post. Say hey, if you want to follow the Road to India, this guy's the insider. He's got some cool cool information. Um, when, when I post up this this podcast, please share it. I really would appreciate that. Share it out. Say, hey guys, this is the podcast you want to listen to if you want to uh, learn more about the Road to Indy. Uh, obviously, before we get to Road America, I'm going to make sure we get Steve Wittick on. We'll line up a couple of interviews as well to talk to some of these drivers. But again, I do appreciate everyone uh, following on social media and uh, make sure to, to add in my Instagram feed as well at Rob Howden Racing. Folks, we're done. Got this one wrapped up. I appreciate it. This was the breakdown of the IndyCar Grand Prix weekend. We called it the Grand Prix of Indianapolis for the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. I thank you so much for tuning in. Folks, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.